we are back. Welcome back. In the dungeon. It's definitely been a week since our last podcast. <laughs> it totally has been a week. It hasn't been 10 minutes. No, no. I definitely not. Go to the bathroom and then come back and record immediately. After a long hiatus, we're back. And uh, <laughs> I hope you remember who we are. I hope I remember who we are. Who are we? I don't. I don't know. Anyway, we're here to talk about a thing. Uh, what was it? Oh yeah. So anyway, uh, this is the po- topic I picked. Welcome to the Bad RNG Podcast, a podcast about video games and podcasts and video games. Uh, so and podcasting, the- yeah, and, and podcasting and, video games and bad podcast RNG. Um, <laughs> so we Ruins we were all initially uh, picking topics, and it came to me, and uh, I think I kind of weirded Frank out with this one a little bit. <laughs> uh, so the topic I want to talk about is controllers. I think controllers are like boss as hell and we're gonna talk about them and when frank asked me he threw out some topics uh you know like oh we could talk about like emulators or all this other stuff that i like i'm like ah let's talk about controllers and then i let him sit there <laughs> for like a few hours actually and he it messaged was, he messaged me and no, he's like it was, hold on it wasn't hours it was days <laughs> it was literal days and here's the thing i've known pat for a long time and you never know when he does something like that. He might be he might be fucking with you. Yeah, he so might I'm, be messing with you, so or he I'm could like, be serious. But then he, like Frank tells me about it, he's like, well, we're we're discussing topics for it. I was like, oh well, I, I think Pat would be would be in for emulators. And he says, no, he told me he wanted to do controllers. I can't tell if he was serious or not. And I'm like, me neither, actually. <laughs> Like, that sounds like something he could want to talk about, but it could also yeah, sound like, like something I, he would joke about. Yeah, we were talking about it ahead of that. Me and Alex were talking about it, and I'm like, it's an interesting topic, but I don't know if he was serious yeah, I don't or know not. if he was serious <laughs> And we're, we're sitting there talking, and then just as I'm saying that, I'm like, I need to ask him if he's serious or not. And just as I say that, he pops into the Discord with the two of us, and Alex is like, well, now's your chance. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what we're saying is I have a sense of style. Yeah, he, um, he definitely has a flair for the dramatic. Uh, so, yeah, controllers. Uh, I, I kind of got like a personal tie-in. Uh, I'm jumping to my last reason why. I wrote out some reasons why I picked this topic. And really it's kind of big to me because it's why I even started collecting like any video game stuff. Like, if if not for that, then like there would be no reason to collect anything. Like, just download all your games, mm-hmm. get an X-Bone controller, and just go to town. But no, uh, I think the controllers are kind of like a really important defining aspect of the gaming experience. And I I feel like a lot of like the controllers themselves are kind of overlooked in terms of like, like you talk, there's always talk about games and and hardware and computer power. And there's, there's usually very little attention paid to the controller itself. That's true. The experience is so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's so... Uh, oh my god, I can't think of the word. Like It it relies on the controller yeah, so much. Right. It's your integral. first point of integral. interaction with the game. Like It's an integral sort of thing, and it's defining, and like I think even different kinds of controllers like give a sense of history and intention about like how you're supposed to play a game. Yeah. Yes. Which, is, so, you guys like this on my notes. How do I compromise this with my advocacy for accessibility as far as like controllers and redefining controls? And what I have here is, well, it's kind of like a restaurant, you see. 
you want to have a lot of things on your menu to satisfy different people, different tastes, different dietary restrictions. Like you want to make sure when everybody comes in, they can have a nice dinner. But you better have a good specialty because you need that word of mouth. You need people to want to come in and like try specifically your restaurant. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great way to put it. It's and you did remember the rest of the restaurant. I comparison. did. I'm yeah. so proud. <laughs> <laughs> it was my first test. And it, what's what's funny is like he wrote the note. I hope I remember the rest of the restaurant comparison, as opposed to writing the, the rest, rest of the, the restaurant, restaurant comparison. comparison. <laughs> <laughs> he could have written know. it, but but for like pretty much every game you play, your the controller is going to be your your first point of contact with it. Like, yeah, it's going to have some kind of of way for you to interact with the game. That's the the main way of you actually having this experience is holding the controller and that's it's super important for the game itself and like different controller designs and like the history of how controllers like from the 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 plastic square that was the nes controller to the ergonomic like comfort of the xbox 3 or the xbone controller it's and you can even go further back than that. You could talk about like the the joystick of the Atari, yeah, the Atari or the arcade, the number pad of the Intellivision, or ah, uh, you jumped right to my my good one here. I had a picture ready because like I, I do want to get into like the features that came over time that made controllers better and and like the things we're truly thankful for. And the first one I have here is. Not looking like a stupid repurposed telephone handset or something. <laughs> and when you know that's it, the Intellivision. And there's a there's a link in the notes here. There's a link, and let's open it. Oh, oh like wow. look at that! That's obviously a telephone. It. Yeah. Yeah, that's a telephone. Yeah, like that's the that's the Intellivision controller, right? But I, I have it is, mm-hmm. and yeah. I, I have to think that like. Video games weren't as like codified and understood a thing at the time, and I feel like they were just taking components they had and slapping them in there and saying like, yeah. hey, "That why doesn't that make sense?" Yeah, you got a little dial and some buttons. Like, what more could you want? Yeah, exactly. I think in a lot of ways, when in that time period, and I might be wrong. Obviously, I'm I'm not a historian on controllers or video games for that matter, um, but. I think an interesting part of it, at least to me, is I feel like in some ways in the earlier days they tried to emulate what was already being done in the arcade, but they were trying to figure out ways to make that work. And in a lot of ways you get things like the Intellivision controller and the joystick of the Atari. Like yeah. that kind of that iteration came from what was already working like in old fighter an arcade, arcade setting. Like the fighter arcade games with yes. the controller and the two buttons, yeah. Right. Um yeah, I agree. I, yeah. I, I might be completely off base, but that's that's at least my theory as to why. Well, I think they were even reaching for like so early game consoles weren't sold as like games. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of as... like the whole thing that made the NES work as like the revitalization of the industry. I guess is that it was like this is a video game. It's a toy for babies. It's a toy for babies. Yeah, yeah that's what it was. You know, and it but, even came with like a little plastic robot guy. Yeah, a little robot. Like it's definitely like a toy, and uh, the, that was probably a good move. But before that, it was like the like these family computer systems that you could like code on, and like that. That's a lot of what old timers remember is mm-hmm. like, holy wow, I can like print out a word on paper from my TV. Yeah, so many different. Like it was, it, it was PC game essentially PC gaming before PC gaming was yeah technically coined as a term. 
Right. You, you're making use of the tools available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then they stopped marketing it as a tool and started pushing it as a toy, which kind of brought the whole industry back. And, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was pretty much raised by Nintendo. So, well, I mean. <laughs> yeah, it definitely it, come in after that, that mark. Yeah. It, it makes perfect sense. I mean, Nintendo was the toy company. That's yeah. what they were known as. They were known as toys, not so much like that. That, that thought like, process They weren't of, like mass consumer electronics. Yeah, you think about the fact that they were around for like a hundred years before the NES came out. Mm-hmm. So Making they like had playing cards and shit. Playing cards and different like toys and games. So it made perfect sense. And I just, I know it has nothing to do with this, but I want to give a shout out to Teddy Ruxpin, the toy bear, because that was such an integral part of nintendo getting out there and getting the nes into into stores because basically they worked with world of wonder toys and world of wonder was who made teddy ruxpin and basically they were like look we're not going to send you the teddy ruxpin which was the hottest toy in the market at the time they're like we're not going to send you that unless you take the nintendo the nes's with it Mm -hmm. so that got it into like your sears and your your bradley's if anybody remembered bradley's and (laughs) all those stores you said sears that brought me back (laughs) (laughs) back when malls were a thing yeah Uh, we do still have one we do we have a a little bit surprised a couple actually (laughs) surprisingly enough but as far as, as controllers go, like the evolution of controllers, you, you can definitely see a pattern like f- towards both form and function. Like they, you have the, the Nintendo controller, I'm actually holding it in my hand, it's just a plastic brick. And then even going just up to the Super Nintendo controller, just those little curves make all the difference in the comfort of your hand. Not to mention the, the shoulder buttons that were also on the... The, the SNES controller. Yeah, so you don't have corners digging into like the bottom of your palm down yeah, there. Yeah, exactly, like, exactly. Like worse. That's something I think people forget about the original Nintendo controller like in its absence. Yeah. I think it's interesting too because when you look at all the stuff that Nintendo had done, even in a shorter period of time than that, when you look at the Famicom compared to the NES, the Famicom, you couldn't disconnect the controllers. No. They were hardwired right to the system. Yeah. On top of that, an interesting thing that I was surprised that we didn't see in the U.S. was the microphone. Yeah. It had a microphone on, I think, the Player 2 controller. I think it was only on the Player 2 controller, but it had a microphone. And that's why, if you ever look at the... If, if any of you have the booklet for the original Legend of Zelda... For one of the enemies, I'm trying to think of the name of it. It's the rabbit looking one. The rabbit looking one. The The, I can't remember the name of it. I could grab the book, but I'm not going to at the moment. Um, Uh, Well, his name is Edit in the name here. Edit name (laughs) in here. But um, you can scream or say something into the microphone, and it basically (gasps) renders them. Voice. Paul's voice. Yes. Yes. It renders them basically. They don't move. (laughs) They don't move at all, or they'll die. Okay, my my lights are going crazy, which every, is why every time I look down at my phone, it's like it's in my periphery. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's I'm like, awesome. am I doing? Is my phone doing this? What's happening? Our whole world is falling apart right now. But I th- like I'm seeing this topic in a whole new light. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's such an interesting thing, and and like j- I think about it in the sense of just looking at the change from the atari to the nes and how much the way you control the game changed from this single button and a joystick to the d-pad 
two buttons and then like a start and a select button, which had various uses depending on the game. Depending on the game, yeah. which is kind of the the big contribution to that era. Like I guess Nintendo is not the only one because like the, there was a Sega Master System yes. and. The standardization of what a controller is was such a big step forward from that dumb phone thingy that the Ellen Television had. Like, it it looks so stupid in in retrospect, but I I don't want to be too mean to them, but... (laughs) Well, speaking of feelings, it was not uh, like I, I, funny enough, I had an Intellivision for a period of time and I can say like going and playing it, there's nothing intuitive about it at all. When you're trying to play a game, when you're looking at it, it's like, okay, I have to hit eight to do this. I have to hit two to do that. Twist this. There's nothing. And the thing is, the other thing about that experience that was really interesting to me when you think about it is it was sort of a single hand experience in that time period because it was, okay, I'm going to hit the buttons, then I turn the dial. It wasn't, you couldn't put it in like a portrait, or not portrait, a landscape, landscape. Uh, orientation and use it that didn't work that way. Mm-hmm. So it Just was, vaguely on that description, it sounds like you're talking about playing with a boppet. Sort of. It kind of felt like that, in a way. Well, I mean, going back to Nintendo and their their numerous forays into controllers, I, I, me and me and Frank were talking about this before we started recording, and there there always has to be that that one developer or uh, whatever, what have you, to put themselves out there and try to refine the technology or at least give it a try. And you saw it with the motion controls of the Wii, where there wasn't really a whole lot of people doing motion control before that. But a Nintendo didn't exactly do it well. I mean, it's it's difficult to pull off good motion control. But someone had to try it. Someone had to put themselves out there. Otherwise, it was never going to be developed. But, and then you had the things like the the PlayStation Move, I think, the little yes. blue ball that went on it. Mm-hmm. And you had the, the Kinect for the Xbox 360. And it it kind of ushered in this this very short lived era of motion controls. You don't see it much anymore. Nintendo kind of shied away from that with the Switch and even with the Wii U. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of woven in a little bit better. I would say, like it's on the Switch. Not the focal point. It's not the focus anymore. But it's found a new home. In the in VR, VR motion wand. Yeah, yeah. The VR motion wand is definitely where that went. And I think what, when you really think about it, at least to me, I think you know they looked at what Nintendo did with the Wii and having the little sensor bar. And okay, this is how we could do this, and it didn't work that great. And they were like, "What can we do that would enhance that experience?" Because just when you think about it if you were even slightly off axis with the with the Wii motion bar you were screwed no matter what game it was it was going to end terribly right so really i would say like the those kinds of motion controls worked best when they were kept a little bit simpler you know cuz like as they got into like the Wii motion plus and you start having like more accurate tracking i feel like that's where things get more inconsistent i liked when they kept it simple like the genius of the Wii wasn't that it was that groundbreaking i mean it was like a gamecube that was slimmed up and they they tossed kind of existing motion technology in there and just kind of went with it and that's 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 where i think it succeeded we bowling ruled we bowling was the best but like in terms of like motion controls, they kind of shied away from like that sensor bar 
um, like light gun kind of thing. And they moved like they kind of put all the all the motion control baskets into the gyroscopes. Well, like, I think it's interesting. There's not too. really a whole lot of the the sensor bar stuff anymore. It's like there's stuff inside the controller that kind of judges the orientation. Yeah, of it. right. They kept the they added it into like our general idea of the gamepad. Yeah. Yes. Which I guess like the PS3 kind of did as well. It wasn't as good then as say like the 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 Nintendo Switch does it. Yeah. But like they they had that in there with like the the mm-hmm. rocking controller. They got rid of of rumble. It was very controversial. Uh, Psycho Manus had big feelings about this. Yeah. <laughs> He did have big feelings about it. Like, the thing is, to me, too, is I think one of the reasons that when we look at the Wii in particular, a lot of developers that, for the few that were actually there for it, <laughs> but um, <laughs> the I think part of the problem was none of them really went out of their way to utilize it either it was like oh well you could use the classic controller to play our game and it's like well we're just ignoring the whole motion part of the wii experience or you have nintendo going so hard in the other direction with the game like skyward sword where everything was based on the motion controls yeah so that that kind of leaves in a weird spot i think that's kind of debatable like what the some people, I think, prefer more like uh, the Twilight Princess way, where mm-hmm. it's it's basically the Waggle versus Skyward Sword. I don't know. I, I think it's up to whoever to decide which one did it better. But like, neither one was exactly right, I guess. No. Yeah. And I, me personally, I'll always prefer like the tactile sensation of pushing a button and having something happen. Yeah. For my flat games, I feel like it's it's generally better to use a gamepad. But I do think it's cool that we did the diversion in general. Like, it was worth it. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Definitely like, worth it. The downside to the standardized gamepad is that we've left a lot of things behind. And I guess to go to the Nintendo controller, well, what like a thing that we lost is we standardize was for instance the rotary joystick i think of a game like ikari warriors i don't know if you guys have seen the angry video game nerd with i've it. played ikari it's, it's a scrolling up sort of like you're, you're a guy who shoots a like straight forward mm-hmm. and and like you just go through enemies and like it's it's one of those gauntlet sort of games like a schmuck not like not like gauntlet capital right. g but it's, it's just a gauntlet of going through a screen of guys and it doesn't play that well on the nintendo but that's not the way the game was intended to be played no. In the arcade, the uh, if we had a controller, the joystick, the movement controller, could twist, and you could turn the way your character was facing, so you could fire downwards while moving upwards. Um, yeah, tying it to the direction you moved really hurt the experience, and like we do leave some things behind as we move forward. But, and this is uh, talking about the evolution of controllers, a lot of that was mitigated. I believe with the introduction of the second analog stick, the twin, yeah, sti- the twin well, the stick, the first stick itself was such a big ad. Like, oh, duh. Yeah, there's more than eight directions. <laughs> yeah, and it's or four int- directions depending on the. And it's interesting because we went back to it after it had already been done. Like yeah. we had it with the Atari, and then we went back to it with the N64. So there's always lessons to bring back. Yes. And I hope that they look back at the N64 in particular for one technical little bit of it. And it's that the controls aren't tied to eight directions. Like it was truly, is it analog or digital? I'm not a scientist. I don't know which one is the right word. But it actually tied to like where you turn the controller on that full degree, like circular right. degree of motion, rather than like eight exact ones. Rather so than it like feels a little blocky. Points. Yeah, it's uh, the other thing 
And I think this is an interesting thing. And it kind of goes along with the controller thing with the N64 that the N64 ushered in that was interesting is Nintendo had the multi-tap, SNES had the multi-tap, and then N64 just had four controllers. Yeah, four controllers. Right away, you had that ability. And there were a lot of games that were designed for that. Yeah, there were a lot of games that were designed for the four-player. And I think their control... I think... After we talked about it last week, I thought about it more and more, thinking about the N64 controller, and I kind of got more on board with what you were saying, Pat, because I was thinking about it, and I'm like, you know, when you play a game like GoldenEye, you don't really focus on the D-pad. The D-pad's kind of secondary, so your hands move, but it's still a kind of comfortable experience. Granted, you have to deal with the limitations of the game of that time. Yeah. Right. But, you don't have your other stick. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily take away from it in in general. I mean, has it aged well? No. no. I mean, that goes without saying. That's like saying, did E.T. for the Atari age well? Of course it didn't. I mean, it, it, that it, wasn't well, it wasn't done well, period. To begin <laughs> with. No, there, there was no innovation there. Yeah. No, but it's... After thinking about it, I remember playing, you could play Smash either way. You could play the original Smash, whether you wanted to use the D-pad or if you wanted to use the the analog stick, you could use either one. And I actually preferred using the D-pad. Like, in recent years, I still play Smash that way. I really, I can't do it with the analog stick. I am a D-pad. Yeah, I'm the same way. When I play Ultimate, I play with with the D-pad. That's why I got mm. the Pro Controller. But I think it's interesting that, to your point, it gave you that opportunity that you could select the way you wanted to play. Granted, it might not have been the greatest designed controller, but it put that out there of like, hey, we have options. Yeah, visually unintuitive, but like the options are really cool, and it was a good time to do it because like 3D kind of demanded that you had that joystick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you start to look at like other other consoles and other controllers. Um, the N64 controller brought something interesting in where you could add things to the controller. Yeah. You could have like the memory pack or the rumble pack. and there, were, there, were, there was the slot on the back that you could plug things into. And what immediately comes to mind to me for things like that is the Dreamcast controller where you could put the little monitor. The VMU. The mm-hmm. little monitor inside the, the front of the Dreamcast. Now the Dreamcast was the, the death throes of a dying developer, but it was so far ahead of its time in terms of hardware that we could be looking at a completely different world if Sega hadn't shit every bed from here to Japan. Like maybe if they just waited. If if they did, well, if they didn't shit the bed with the Saturn, I think the whole story would be different because the, the Saturn was really what tore them apart arguably it poisoned the well for the dreamcast and yeah. then they, they just got beaten in a game of poker in terms of release dates you know mm-hmm. if anybody wants to read a read a nice book about that either of you i actually have it over here it's called service games it's uh, it's all about the history of sega great great read it definitely worth checking mm. out i never thought about where the name came from yeah it was from service yeah. games because they were uh and they worked on you know arcade machines so mm-hmm. their name was service games they serviced the games so they became service games you learn something new every day <laughs> but uh, i'm looking at pat's notes here and um the you know controllers are more than just the gamepad like we've talked about the the xbox controller we've talked about the arcade sticks a little bit um I think something that doesn't really get brought up when we're talking about controllers is mouse and keyboard. Yeah. Like people, when you think mouse and keyboard or controller, 
Like, but the mouse and keyboard is very much a controller in and of itself. And there are some games, and this is something we had talked about before, uh, at least, you know, internally, uh, there are some games that play better depending on the controller that you're using. Uh, some other examples on here, touchscreens, light guns. Uh, like some- these are these are things that show like the intended way to play, and like a lot of times we we lose what what a game was supposed to be because we're not playing it the, the way it way. was designed. Exactly. You know, Akari Warriors comes across really badly because you know, they took away the rotary dial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or something like um, uh, what was the game we were talking about? Uh, Civilization. Yeah, we were talking about over the top real time strategy games. You want to be playing those on a mouse and keyboard. And if you want an example as to why you don't play it on not a mouse and keyboard, that was a weird sentence. <laughs> you got there. Yeah, I did get there. If you if you want a reason why you, you do play it on a mouse and keyboard, just play Civilization Revolutions, and you'll see exactly why it's meant to be played on a mouse and keyboard. I will say, though, I think Revolutions did it pretty well. I would If but, I were to go to a game that I really think did it poorly, it would have been, been StarCraft, Starcraft 64. 64. Yeah, definitely. That was just on... It was a, it was a disaster. Yeah, it was abysmal. Where it's neat to see, like, there's sort of an art from adversity sort of thing with trying to do that, like, specifically built around a control. So that that also is kind of cool. Limitations kind of give and take. Yeah. Well, I think that's interesting, too, because I think one of the trends that we've seen over the years, too, is them trying to make it more accessible to where a game doesn't have to be set to one specific peripheral. The best example I can give is the first-person shooter. I mean, obviously, at least in my opinion, the best way to play a first-person shooter is with mouse and keyboard. Mouse and keyboard, yeah. You have that advantage, but... How far first-person shooters have come on a controller, like a, a, a standard controller you're going to hold in your hand, is so far that you have people that can go in and play somebody on a mouse and keyboard and beat them because they've gotten proficient enough using it. That and 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 the use of, I guess, being able to change your, you know, the formatting a little bit, like you can change the sensitivity speed mm-hmm. and things like that on your controller right. so that you can really fine-tune it, which was not a thing at the very beginning of you being able to use a controller to play a first-person shooter. We're seeing that start, that trend start to come in, too. Because that, that started with, so adding the th- stick and then its eventual twin was a big jump up for, like, the, the 3D navigation, especially first-person shooters. But then we kind of have this last era so far of, like, how the gamepad evolved. And it's the addition of things like good wireless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, tweaking settings on it, like sensitivity. Uh, arguably, things like better aim assist like to for experiences built around a controller. Like yeah. the, a lot of thought has been put into that, I guess. Yeah. yeah and you um, see it when you're talking about things like the personalization of like the Xbox. I think it's called the Elite Controller, where it has the extra buttons on the back. And right. you can you can bind them to do specific things like there's a lot they've done it's a, it's come a long way yeah. and, and there's still territory yet to take with that cuz i don't think that's standard yet and like that could be like you don't do anything with your fingertips yeah. i don't know if my my you know stupid baby brain could like handle all those buttons <laughs> wait, wait you're the brain genius <laughs> Stupid baby brain. But you see, I've cleverly forgotten the rest of the buttons. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's just a matter of of like muscle memory. Like when, like we we kind of got grandfathered into because we we've been all been playing games for so long since the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo when the controllers were like super simple. Like you look at this thing, it has like the four directions. It's a Super Nintendo controller. Super Nintendo, I'm holding whichever. 
the one that I'm holding. You you guys can see it, right? On the on the podcast. Google it. Yeah, just Google and then follow along with me. So you have the the four D pads. The four yeah, there's four full D pads. So sixteen buttons right there. That's this is one hell of a controller. Yeah. I'm focusing too much on the controller and I can't actually say my point. My point is that modern controllers are super complicated now with how many buttons are on it. Because what is I'm, I'm so sorry. My attention has been stolen. But if you look back here, it kind of looks like a binding of Isaac face. Oh, my God. Get, <laughs> I'm going to hold it this way. There's 12 <laughs> buttons on them. All told. Okay, he's, I'm so sorry. No, you're, no, you're, no, you're not. You're not actually sorry. <laughs> I'm a little bit sorry. <laughs> <laughs> look, we're laughing so you don't have to be. That's. But there's like 12 buttons on this thing. Maybe. And you look at the the Xbox like the Xbox One controller, like you get there just looking at the top of it. Like there's so many buttons on this thing, and we kind of as controllers have gotten more and more complicated, we've gotten like more and more used to it. Like you have these newer gamers that are like the the kids that are coming up with these games now, and they have to learn these complicated button layouts immediately. I think that's part of why the Wii was so popular because it was so simple in its control scheme. I think to a degree, but I also think a big part of that, and and I think it speaks to the games that we see now, is that these these larger button layouts and button schemes were kind of necessary for the way games have been designed from back then compared to now like obviously you could play like a, a shovel knight with an nes controller but you can't play sekiro with an nes controller that's not gonna that's not gonna be able to work not yet not, not yet. yet. I'm mean, sure somebody will beat it with like the, the, the PlayStation Kong eye toy, Donkey <laughs> Donkey Kong bongos mm-hmm. with an iPad somehow. Yeah, like <laughs> it's going to be toasters. Spot- <laughs> but I think it's the Spotify int- app. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting because the, the buttons were kind of a necessity to make it, in a way, more accessible. Like the, the more buttons there are, it may seem more complicated, but it actually simplified the actual game experience. Yeah, I mean. But then you have a whole lot more stuff to remember. Like as things get more complicated, it's going to be harder and harder for newer players to try to get used to that. And like the the switch, I mean, the Pro controller looks a lot like the Xbox One controller. It's very much the, a similar thing. But the the Joy Cons are very simple. Like the Joy Cons themselves are very simple in what it is that they're trying to do. And I think that's it's kind of like a return to form to those simple kinds of games. Yeah, it's origi- you- kind of an over- going back to the original experience. And but you can Nintendo is still able to put out these these big like complicated games without these big complicated control schemes. And I think that's kind of like a like a benchmark for how things should be done. It's it's elegant in its simplicity in a way. Yeah. I I think there's I think there's a place for both. I I I do think there's a place for both sides. Like I appreciate the amount of um the amount you could do in certain games and a, a lot of it is a big part of having that larger controller but i can also appreciate the simplicity of a game like a like a like a shovel knight or like a, like mario, a mario party, party yeah. like just all right i need like three buttons and i've got this or even like simpler a, a game i've really come to like way after the fact is rhythm heaven for the yeah. wii there's two buttons exactly two and that game like screams out loud awesome it's it's 
you got monkeys to high five. Like, yeah, you Rhythm Heaven's a great game. It's really good. I recommend it if you haven't played it. It's An- another game, same same console that I absolutely well handheld that I absolutely love, and it goes into another form of you know how we interact with games was Elite Beat Agents. Yeah, Elite Beat Agents was all in the touch the touch screen. Everything was tapping and movement through the touch screen. That game is amazing. For anybody who's never played it, go buy a DS and play it. Well, that game's the best. I feel like a touchscreen is, is kind of unique in terms of controllers because it's one button, but it's also infinity buttons. Yeah. Like, that's... It's, it's a really interesting... Yeah, it's a really interesting take on it. But going back to something I was, I was kind of hinting at before, the difference between different kinds of controllers and how games are meant to be played there are a lot of games where it doesn't really matter the kind of controller like you when you think of we were talking about first person shooters when you think of like some of the most famous first person shooters out there you have both console games and pc games that come to mind you think half-life and all of its mods the counter-strike and the team fortress and all of that but then you also have like the halo and the call of duty and, the, you know, these big franchises that came out with first-person shooters just as the twin sticks were were becoming uh, ubiquitous. Yeah. They're becoming more par for the course for the industry. And, like, it's it just goes to show the versatility, and it's all about personal preference. Like, you can play on a mouse and keyboard, or you can play a shooter on a controller. And there are some games that are on both console and PC, and... It's all up to you how you want it to play. Like it's, yeah, so it's, it's catered to your exp- or to your likes and dislikes. Your taste. And yeah. that, that's your kind ability. of the benefit of our new era of accessibility. Now you have things like PC. Uh, Steam does like a really good job of handling different controllers. And, yeah, and that's what I like is you you have like a lot more choice now, and not just like oh you can use the good controller or the Mad Cat's controller, like <laughs> like. Well, that was the, like I said. To, like I said to uh, Alex, I I was sitting there pondering the name of the the podcast, and I thought the perfect name is what I always see on Steam, which is partial controller support. You see that all <laughs> the time on there is partial controller support. And you already know how we went with the name. If you're if you're watching this, hopefully you didn't just tune in right now and yeah. skip the name completely, but. <laughs> Actually, I, I dig that. So I think we should go with that, but we'll we'll decide that we, later. We can go with that. It, it types out better than the one I had because that's like an entire <laughs> I, sentence. I need wait. Hold on. I want to hear the whole thing. Oh God! Because I I just want to appreciate this. <laughs> it's controllers, a podcast topic I selected for some reason. It's because I think controllers are neat. <laughs> I do like that name though. Yeah, we got to go clickbaity though. You won't believe what controllers we talk about. <laughs> Number eight may surprise you. <laughs> Play the Ali A music. <laughs> this one neat trick has controller manufacturers furious. They added a second stick. There's but, so there's so oh. much plastic. It's everywhere. It's and USB now. <laughs> something I will say that I'm so happy to see that's kind of now starting to become more of a focus in the controller market is we saw it happen i think it was a little over a year ago with microsoft when they made the controller for people with disabilities and i think that's such a big thing like i i to me it was almost surprising that it's been this long before somebody really was like let's make that a focus and think about how we can 
make this more intuitive. Like do one really well. And, yeah. And the idea is neat and it has implications beyond just like, you know, somebody who can't use a certain style of controller, which is in itself a noble pursuit. Yeah. But like this is a way you can get something back like a rotary joystick or like a trackball or like things we left behind with the arcade. Like you could customize a control experience. Yeah. Or it can even push the technology even further. Like I've seen some uh, handicap accessible controllers that actually it's I don't know what it is but there's like gears on it and you can push little triggers on the back to actually interact with the face buttons hmm. like you push hmm. a button on the back and it has this little arm that actually it's like a spring and you activate the spring and it pushes the the face button that's interesting like this okay I, I know what you mean yeah yeah you know what I'm talking about like and I I think it's interesting because I have a controller here it's a it, it, like it kind of looks like a hockey puck it was for the um Super Nintendo. It's a single-handed controller for the Super Nintendo. And it has the D-pad on the front, and you have the four face buttons on the back. They're color-coded, and they also have, like, divots and stuff to let you know which ones are A and B, which ones are X and Y. So, like, it's a really it's a really awesome way of doing things. And you kind of saw it to some degree happening back then. I actually really like that. And then it kind of disappeared for a while yeah a lot and of these things never make, caught yeah, on and like now it, they do again it makes that resurgence and i think it i i really do think it's a great thing that we're starting to see these things happen oh more yeah and it's, more. it's and it's great for the industry too like it, when, when the more experiences you get into it the more experience you can get out of it and you know that's really what it's all about is just sharing an experience right? yeah i think like one of the things we haven't seen it really move real far into the gaming world yet but i could see it happening soon is i i'm sure you guys have heard of the toby eye tracking yeah the, uh, the oh the eye tracker yeah yeah like i could see that being implemented into games in the near future like more comprehensively than it's been because it's kind of janky now oh but yeah well I, like i said most people use it now to... when they go on youtube and watch videos and they're like try not to look at this person's butt and they're <laughs> like this is what we're using this technology for i'm looking at the butt guys i'm looking at the butt <laughs> but like just those those little forays into it can help push the technology along like just, just try to work out the kinks of it while people are just sort of dicking around yeah um but it's, it's an interesting lead-in to actually going on to the the rest of, of pat's notes here um there's a couple things here that are specific to like specialty controllers controllers that are designed with one, one thing or maybe mind. two particular games in mind. Uh, plastic guitars, uh, light guns. Donkey Kong the, bongos. The Donkey Bongos. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the and donkey like, these Kongos. are good things. Like, Donkey Konga is a cool game. Uh, I wouldn't say it's like DDR one of my pad. favorite games ever. Yeah, DDR, DDR is pad. huge. But yeah. like these these make like really memorable experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, People will be playing DDR long after I, the Earth explodes. I, oh, yeah. I have a story about DDR. I played DDR for the first time. It was two years ago at MAGFest, and it was me and Pat. Wow. Playing. That was your first, that was time? My first wow. time? That was my first time ever playing DDR. It's not an easy game. It's not <laughs> no. an easy game, but it was so much fun. Like, oh, it's a blast. It, it's such an experience, and like like you were saying, it had such an interesting... Like It did so much for the industry as a whole when you think about it, because games like that, and the power pad mm -hmm, for yeah. the Nintendo with games like Track and Field and stuff like or that. The, was it the, the Trackboard? The Wii Fit board? Yeah, oh, the oh, Wii yeah. Fit board. I think I have the one balance of those. board. The little yoga there. board. 
<laughs> but these these specialty controllers are like it's an interesting wrinkle in the conversation because you 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 know we were talking about the standardization of controllers and how they've gotten more and more similar to each other over time. You know, you look at a PlayStation One controller versus an Xbox controller, and then a PS Four versus an Xbox One, and you can kind of see like a convergent evolution there. But then you get these specialty controllers, the light guns and the DDR pads and and the the plastic guitars and drum sets and all that. And it really kind of adds a whole interesting wrinkle to the conversation because what if there was like a unique controller for every game? Like what if there was a controller specifically designed for the game instead of the game being designed for the controller? That would be very expensive. It (laughs) would be very expensive. It it used to be expensive, but here's the thing is we're in a day and age now where like these things kind of are already here. Like the, uh, so there's this PS2 game. It's called, I think it's called Lifeline. And you control it with a microphone. It's a person in a space station that you give commands to guide them through a crisis. Okay. And, like, we have these things. We can think of all new ways to interact with our games. And it's right there for the taking. So it's sort of like, in a way, similar to the, I don't know if you guys remember it, the, I I believe it was called the Konami Laser Scope. Um, If you look it up on, if you want to, or I'll pull it up, but... The Konami laser scope was made, I think, specifically for Top Gun. And when okay. you were flying the ship, you had like a little microphone. And you'd be like, "Fire!" and then it would shoot. Oh, the headset, the headset, like the the, the one with like the Dragon yeah, Ball scanner, yeah, with the Dragon Ball scanner, <laughs> the, the laser scope, and you would sit there and fire, and then it would go off. It's so calm. Um, mm-hmm. I remember. Yes. Yeah. I remember so calm. Uh, when that was on the, the, the PS2 and it came with so the headset cool. and you could sit there and you'd be like, all right, hold here. And they would all stop. Like your AI uh, squad mates would take vocal commands. I, I remember that being real impactful for me. I played they did, a lot of SOCOM. They yeah. did something like that in um, in one of the Rainbow Six games, I think. Yeah, in uh, Rainbow Six Vegas. Vegas, yeah. And uh, Halo Wars actually had a similar thing to that. No way. I'm, yeah. Wow. Yeah, right, no one knows cool. that because no one played Halo Wars. <laughs> But Actually, there's a, a space sim now, Elite Dangerous, Elite where Dangerous, you can control yeah. your ship with voice commands. Yeah. You can, when you mod that game out, it can get wild. Yo, I, I think I'm going to do that. Like, it but can think, get wild. Like, and the, these kind of unique controllers, like, it's it's less and less unique now as more and more people are, are coming into the kind of technical prowess it takes to. Like customize these things because it also I mean? depends like, on the the ingenuity to actually like make a game that thinks about that. Like yeah. the controller itself isn't enough. Yeah, exactly. It, it's actually so like these things in general are kind of why why I'm, I kind of regret that arcades aren't a thing. Uh, so we're we're all basically like the same age, and we're, we kind of come from a time where like arcades were sort of around. I always thought they looked cool, but like they weren't they weren't what they were when no. they were like the thing. Now yeah. it's more of a novelty than anything. And when, when Fr- like, you know, we go to MAGFest, Frank and I, every year, and they have an arcade set up, and the different kinds of games are so cool. They, I, they have, like, the... I'm kind of leaning on rhythm games for this, but there's lots <laughs> of... You'll have to take my word for it that there are other games. Like, they have the one... It's, it's like, Jubeats. It's, like, a, a screen of, of 4x4, four 16 buttons that have, like, an LCD screen behind them. So the, the buttons themselves are the display... And you got to uh, push them as you as know they, they as you up play in a certain the game. Way. Well, I think rhythm games are there's... an easy thing to to talk about controllers with, just because there are so many unique controllers with them. 
And then there's super simple games. Like, there's one that I swear I will oh have and I will own at one point. It's a game called Black Lotus. Black Emperor. Black Emperor. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Black Emperor. And it's your 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 guy who rides a motorcycle. It's kind of like the helicopter game if you've played that. Yeah, for like the Flash game, helicopter game. But you ride this you ride this motorcycle. You have one button that you push that accelerates, and then you have a little stick that that you move up like and a, down. Like a, like it's a like wheel. a cheese wheel that yeah. you roll long, like long ways. And that's the whole game. But it's so like it's so addictive. It's really good. Like I constantly was like, it was me and this other guy battling for first place on this machine for a while, and it happens every year now when they have it there. I love that game. It's so good. Well, when I went to Gen Con about five or six years ago, they had a setup there. It was like it was these pods, right? It was about twelve pods, and inside each of the pods, it was like a cockpit for a mech. Oh, yeah, we they had we that. We keep meaning to do that. It's like Battletech or something like that. Yeah, Battletech. That's exactly what it is. And it is, pardon my French, a fucking blast. I We've never gotten we to play because there's always this huge line just, for it. So, you we're know, like, this year, this next one, we, we got to go it. and do it. We got to do Let's it. Let's see what they'll do is like you go in there and you have a mech battle with these 12 people. Yeah. And I mean, you don't get anything if you win. You get to win if you win. That's your prize. That's good enough for me. But you like you're sitting in the in the cockpit of a mech, and you have like the like the handle over here, and the throttle on the right side, and like the the view screen is it looks like the the view screen of a mech, and it's super cool, and it's it's like it's super immersive in in like just the style of the controller, like the fact that they have these pods and there's all these buttons and all this stuff you can do on the inside. It's it's insane how like specialized it is for this, but it's so much. Yeah, fun. it's well, kind of the opposite of the streamlined controls we talked about. Like right. it, it immerses you with just like an overwhelming complexity. An overwhelming complexity. Well, like yeah. one of the things I, I I loved doing, I don't do it anymore, and I I could still. But um, when we were talking about Elite Dangerous, one of my favorite things that I used to do is I have the the big cockpit controls. I have it in my storage space. And what I would do is the game has Vive support. So I'd put the Vive on. I'd bring out the cockpit controls. You could do voice commands. Like, talk about a custom-tailored experience. Like, you set it up just the way you want, and it makes the most amazing experience that you could possibly have. Those are the things. And I think about it, and, and this goes back to why this discussion is so important and why it was such a great topic by... Pat to pick. It was is, so great. I didn't know if he was serious. Or yeah, not. <laughs> it was so great. I didn't know if he was serious. Like, but is this is this man a genius or is he fucking with me? It, it does sound almost dismissive. Like I don't know, controllers or something, whatever. <laughs> but the um the thing that that really gets me is you could play Elite Dangerous with a mouse and a keyboard. That experience will never be the same for me after doing it with the Vive headset. And the cockpit controls, like, the controls made the experience. Oh, yeah. That's what made that experience so special. Just like the battle mech, like, Mm -hmm. the whole thing makes the experience. Or in that vein, have you ever heard of a game called Steel Battalion? Yeah, I've heard of Steel Battalion. Steel Battalion has this huge, like, three-part controller. I think it has, like, two throttle-type things. Uh, I guess one for each tread. It's a a tank game, like, first person in a tank. And and it's it's super immersive in that like if you're like a mission's going sour, if you don't eject, you will die and your save file is gone. Wow. 
Yeah, it's it's intense. Permadeath. Yeah. Uh, I remember seeing this at GameStop way back when, and it, like it was in one of their generic, you know, boxes for like DVD boxes. Yeah, and and it had written on there like two hundred and ten dollars. Like, no, that's twenty one dollars. They fucked that up. And the guy's like, "Oh no, sir, you need to understand Steel Battalion." <laughs> wow. Like I'm surprised we haven't touched on this specialty controller yet. The uh, the steering wheel. Oh yeah, oh definitely. yeah, yeah. Like that's a classic. Like that goes back to the arcades. Yeah, like, I the, the cruising USA and the the Need for Speed and all that. Oh yeah, I have a I have a steering wheel in my uh in my closet. Is it right a Wii under the steering wheel? No, it's you for plug the, the Wii into it. Is it a nice one? Like it, lots of degrees it, of rotation. It's a Logitech one. It's pretty. Oh. It's pretty nice. I like. I got it and immediately bought American Trucker. <laughs> yes. like, yeah, and I had a blast. Yeah, like, it's as such long a- as you're having fun, that's the important thing. That seems like it would be good for like a, a podcast type stream. You know, you're just driving along, and well, talk that- to your boys on the radio. <laughs> uh, niner Niner, <laughs> <laughs> this here's a rubber duck. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's so many different, like. I guess some people would call it like gimmick controllers. Yeah, nothing unquote. wrong with a gimmick. Nothing but wrong with a gimmick. They're great. I mean, I always think of um like missed opportunities too. And I again, I go back to the Wii. I think was sort of a missed opportunity, and even more so the Wii U. Like yeah. nobody really used that tablet the way it could have been used. I don't even think like I remember when they did the promotional material. They showed playing like the golf game. And you would put the tablet on the ground and use the Wii pad or the Wiimote, but the ball would be on the screen of the pad, and you were supposed to hit it. But I don't think it ever happened. That's and I'm so like, cool. That's a great idea. Yeah, like that's a cool. great way to use it. But we never saw it happen. I don't. I don't think I might be wrong about that. And if I am, I'm sure I'm going to get yelled at about it. But whatever. But there were other uses for, like <laughs> the, the idea. <laughs> the idea of the menu in Zelda not being something you need to pull up. Was yeah. a really cool idea, yeah. or uh, like Mario Maker itself is the the proof that there was there was merit to the idea of the Wii U. Oh yeah, gamepad. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you you can see even see some of the 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 good ideas that come with the the touch screen when you go start to get into like the DS and the 3DS because I think the way that second screen is utilized in those games is huge a Absolutely. lot of the time. Absolutely. Like, and you start to get into like what is it like Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. Where you have like the the bag on the bottom screen, and you could still move around on the top. Like that was, that was incredible. Yeah, for, I mean, for what it was. When and it's, a, it's that mixing of like the the specialty controller and like the classic D pad and face buttons. And when we saw that happen, you saw like when the Wii U came out, you saw the industry react to it. Because I remember they come out with the Wii U and the gamepad and everything, and shortly after that you know metal gear solid 5's coming out i think it was metal gear solid 5 and they were like yeah and oh, there was we're the, gonna the, do the second screen on yeah the second screen experience you can do stuff on on the app and it was like this is definitely a reaction to that technology and fallout 4 did something similar yeah they did something as fallout well like, that ended up being one of my i got a lot of grievances with metal gear solid 5 <laughs> my big problem is like i wouldn't fe- have such big feelings if it weren't for the fact there's a lot of potential there and there is a pretty good game at the core but we're gonna like, make a podcast where he could just rant about uh, metal gear solid 5 we won't even be here we'll just give him a microphone and give him an yeah, hour they'll, they'll sit like, down the microphones and they'll leave so i know that i'm all alone um <laughs> but yeah like no, that, we'll just keep we'll sit here but we'll egg you on how about that 
<laughs> Actually, you know what? I think GW is a good game mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that app was really cool. Yeah, because in the menu, you could call in things like artillery strikes and, and stuff like that. And having the map on a tablet that isn't your controller where you could schedule those without yeah. breaking your gameplay, I think would have added a lot in. But it wasn't yeah. PC compatible. I think it doesn't work anymore. It it didn't work to begin with. Yeah. To be honest, like I I played the game on the PS4 and it didn't work from day one. Yeah, it's... from day one that the the app was just kind of janky. Um, a lot of missed opportunities. But I, I feel like we've talked a lot about controllers that worked. What about controllers that didn't? Uh, any Mad Cat's controller, the yeah. Virtual Boy. Virtual. I mean, more like I'm talking like the controller designs themselves, like not so much like the shoddy manufacturing and like hmm. the Mad Cats. I'm and I said this on the first podcast we ever did. I'm not a huge fan of the Sega Genesis controller. The not so much because of its usability, because it's very usable, but it's very uncomfortable. It's a very uncomfortable controller to 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 work with. I feel like there's a lot of space on the face that like because it doesn't. Like it has a wider sort of like face, I think, than the than its competitor, the Super Nintendo controller. But like it only had like the three buttons until it had. Six. Well, that's I don't something know. I it think is like interesting about them too, because that's another spot where I feel like Sega was kind of ahead of the curve. Because you think about it, at its initial experience with the Genesis, you had or the Mega Drive, whatever you want to call it, depending on where you're from. Um, you had the three buttons and eventually games became a little bit more complex and as they did they were like we're gonna add three more buttons to the controller make this experience a little bit more customizable and I thought that was an interesting thing because you didn't really see that with Nintendo you didn't really see that with anybody else I mean the most I remember seeing from Nintendo at that time in terms of like a standard controller not like the NES Advantage or or anything like that was when they came out with the top loader NES, it was the controller was shaped more like a Super Nintendo controller. Right, right. The dog bone. Yeah, the dog yeah. bone. But even so I guess there's kind of like a weird timing thing where the Genesis initially competed with the NES, but then it came up against the Super, Super Nintendo. Nintendo. And even with the six button Genesis controller, it still has one less button than the Nintendo controller because mm-hmm. it has the select button. Yeah. yeah. And the, the Super Nintendo actually added four buttons over the Nintendo controller, the shoulder buttons and the two-face. Yeah. Whereas the Sega Genesis only added the three. And they I never got it, the shoulders on there, I don't think. Nope. Not I until the Saturn, I believe. I don't think so. I think the most they had was, I think they eventually did have, I may be wrong about this, I might have it confused, but I thought they had a start and a mode button. You know, you might be right. Sega not controllers. The, not on the original Genesis. Not on the no, no, original no, 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 Genesis, the but on the uh, six, six button, button. Yeah, it was yeah, start yeah. and mode. Yeah. Um, but I feel like the, the two shoulder buttons feels like feels better to me than the extra two on the face. Even I though agree. it had the space for it, which yeah. was, you know, pretty, I guess that's a, a no. positive. Yeah, <laughs> I me, think it was more intuitive. When you're talking about awful controllers, there are, there are two that come to mind for me. One from a design perspective, where it's just a lot of waste and another from just a comfort perspective. And from the design perspective, I always bring up the Nintendo 64 controller. Okay. But the Nintendo mm-hmm. 64 controller, you're only ever going to be able to use two-thirds of it at most. 
like there's there's a lot of of wasted potential with the N64 controller. I feel like it could have been done a lot better. I mean, granted, it was like the first major like 3D console that had really kind of de- delved into that. But even like the original PlayStation with the with their controller, they had the no, they only had one analog stick on the original PlayStation. They right? had none at no, first, and none. then they added. Oh, then they did, right. yeah. And then, then the DualShock. The DualShock. The DualShock. That's right. Uh, so it didn't have any. So scratch that argument. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's like the N64. I, I think the the biggest argument against the way it looks because like. You know, even it looks dumb, like you can hold it those three different ways and mm-hmm. use that stuff. But then like just after the dual shock happens, and it's like, oh, you don't need to hold it different to go from D pad to stick. Yeah. yeah. Now, here's the most important question when it comes to the N64 controller. And I want to ask you guys, when you wrapped the cord, cross in front or cross in back? I think I crossed in front. Cross in front. Cross in front. Okay, good. We can continue being friends. <laughs> <laughs> But the the other controller that I absolutely hate from a comfort perspective is the original Xbox controller. That that 30 pound brick with the the hope diamond in the center. Mhm. Like oh my god, the, why the was it? You I could, think you it, could kill a cat by dropping it on it from like 5 feet in the air. I think that Just, one the weight was the biggest problem because in oh, terms yeah. of like the comfort of it, it was similar to the uh Dreamcast. Yeah, because that thing was very brick-like or but square, but it Dreamcast, was lightweight. The Dreamcast had other stuff going on though. Like you could put things in that space where the jewel was. You couldn't take the nah, jewel couldn't. out of the Xbox controller. I think it did have two memory there. card things on top, but there it was did. no like window. Yeah, no, no, it didn't have a window because it didn't have the VMU, which you could use. Yeah, like the VMU. Let, you know what? That that's something I need to talk about is the VMU. That's also a great use of controls because it's kind of like its own console it's, a little it's bit. It's a controller in a controller, like essentially. That's Which a- I think the the PlayStation had that in Japan. Um, the only game I know of that uses it is Final Fantasy VIII. But there's the Pocket Station that plugged in in the memory card slot, and you took it out, and it had like a, a Tamagotchi scope sort of like game you could play that tied into your game. Yeah. Um, like it, it, it's it's crazy when I when I think back to that. Like again, like you said, Sega was so ahead of its time in so many ways. Oh yeah, it was insane. Um, just poor execution. It all came down to poor execution for them, which is a shame. Well, for- I mean, at, at the end of the day, it comes down to the quality of the games. Yeah. At, at- Sega was not putting out good games for a long time. Like they kind of skated by on the success of the first couple Sonic games. They did really well right at the start. Yeah, with and the, then, the Genesis, and then a well, and then I mean, and Nintendo continued to innovate and use fun as their their selling point. Like they, that's they made fun games, and that's yeah. I think, their formula was just simplified in the right way that it translated over the years. Yeah, I think part of the problem too is they had the opportunity to do really well with the Dreamcast, but the fact that it was easily piratable did not help that console one bit. Yeah, that kind of hurts. Well, like, I actually heard stories that that was like part of the design. That was by design. It from in it basically in the book they basically they talk about the fact that it wasn't by design it was that they rushed yeah just like they did with the Sega Saturn they kind of rushed it out because the PlayStation 2 was going to be coming out soon and they wanted to be ahead of the curve they wanted to be a year ahead which they were but then all of a sudden you weren't going to beat the PlayStation 2 because Sony just came out and said hey 
you know those DVD players that cost like $600? We've got a video game console that's a DVD player, and it's also 300 bucks. Yeah. And you weren't going to beat that. Like, they just, Mm -mm. you immediately lost that war right there. Oh, yeah. That's... But bringing it back to controllers, um, the Xbox, the original Xbox controller was just Enor- I think they were trying to mask the size of their console, which was <laughs> yes. enormous. That's so it's fair. like, oh no, it's, then they, it's all the right size. But then they came out with the the S controller, I believe it was, and the S controller was it's basically just the Xbone controller. It, it's a, I, it's I, much I, closer to it. Yeah, yeah it's it's. Much, it's actually a little bit lighter than the Xbox controller, but, but it was wieldy. It basically made the Xbox a, an attractive console because yeah. then, like, it was like, oh wait, this it, has Halo on it and a good controller and a good controller. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If like if you let the controller rest on your leg, it wouldn't put, leave a dent there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm ready for my last day on on the internet because I'm about to say what controller I was never really a huge fan of, and I'm ready to die when people yell at me about if, it. If but you hear a scuffle over here, don't be worried. I Frank's was never dead. a huge fan of the GameCube controller. I was never... Like, it's just awkward to me. It Like, talking about ergonomically, I've always felt that the GameCube controller is super awkward. I, I would agree with that. The, I the think thing I'm the only the, one who likes it here. I didn't, I didn't I mind the I GameCube controller. I don't hate it, but I think it's, like... It's I don't a, know. Out it only the, has three shoulder buttons. Yeah, the three shoulder buttons is definitely <laughs> a minus. Uh, that that's a holdover from the N sixty four because the front right, the Z button is from the yeah. middle prong of the N sixty four controller. But like, I lost it. Never mind. No, so so like here here's the features I think kind of make it is uh, and one of these I don't think we're we're gonna have agreements on is I like the the triggers the. The pressure sensitive triggers and that clearly no, the binary went over to like, other ones. Like if you push it down a little bit and then you can push it and down. And then all it has the a click yeah. at the end. Yeah. And I think we lost that click. You know, we the, did. the PlayStation controllers I don't think really ever caught up. They have pressure sensitive, but it doesn't feel very it's good. Not it's kind same. of mushy. Yeah, it's not the same. Um the the Xbox one is kind of a nice compromise, but I still I feel like that that click for the, the full push was yeah. was a good feel. I wish more controllers had micro switch tactile feedback. Yeah. 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 Uh, we we have all these stupid mechanical keyboards, so we can all hear each other typing from like a mile away. But we can't put it in a controller. Like, come on, elite gamers! Like, get on it. Yeah, exactly. Um, elite gamers. But I, I like the different C stick. Uh, I like that it has a little more like pushback for the camera stick mm-hmm. as opposed to the movement stick. Yeah. I like that it looks different. It's just fun. It, it looks like candy. <laughs> I like that it's a little bit smaller than the other D10 mm-hmm. or than the other controllers. Uh, control stick where are my words i'm losing them all um but it also had the the divots for the cardinal directions Mm -hmm. which is something that you saw on the n64 controller and then not much after that like everything it's it's a it's a complete circle so you can't hold straight forward yeah like just looking at this controller the the xbox xbox one uh xbox one playstation three playstation four they don't have they they all have just the round uh, wells, I guess, would be the right word for that. They don't have the the notches where you can go like straight up or straight left or straight right. You kind of have to guesstimate, and uh, I mean, which actually creates a weird sort of uh, separation when games have those digital like eight directions. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like if you can't actually click into it with the controller physically, it feels weird that your character snaps to them. Yeah, exactly, and like there seems to be like. Uh, uh, a threshold 
where if you're holding up and you deviate a little to the right or left, your character will just turn. Uh, the the ba- I don't think there's any getting around this. Uh, I like the look of the D-pad on there, the tiny little D-pad, but it's just bad. Yeah. Uh, I, there's, there's no uh, getting around that. Like, for me, you were talking about the, the smaller size of the C-stick. That's part of what I didn't actually like. I figured I, you weren't going to like that. I don't like the smaller C-stick, and it's funny enough, it's one of the reasons when they made the new 3DS, well, that thing, that's not even a stick. It's more like a nipple. <laughs> like it's really uh, you know what i gotta grab it i'm gonna i'm gonna speak amongst yourself well um, well there's one other thing i hope I, oh yeah the the arrangement of the face buttons i feel like you know i can't really say whether it's like necessarily good or bad i, I liked like it. it i liked it it's good for like smash having that big a button mm-hmm. i don't know it's different it's cool uh but if you try to play like the Mega Man x collection on there Good luck, you know, holding a charge, doing the ja- dash and jumping is impossible. Yeah, try that. Analog oh, yeah. Stick. The little like shifting. Uh, it's it's like, like it's like a little disc. nipple on yeah. it. Like it's almost like the thing that you have on your ThinkPad. Yeah. The little yeah. little rub. Nip I actually there. really like this, but I don't like I don't it's, know if I like it as the main stick. I don't it's know. It's more yeah. useful than the aftermarket, like connect it to your con or to your 3DS and make it <laughs> even thicker so that you could get a second stick. But I, I just I I think I it is cool that they added that into a flat handheld console. That I though. agree yeah. with. That's a good compromise in that regard. That I agree with. But I, um, we're we're getting ready to to wrap up here. But there is one other note that uh that yeah i've got one last topic and this is something i talk about I, i've talked to discords about this specifically the axiom verge speedrun discord and i've just gotten like no reaction <laughs> like it, it doesn't seem to be something people think about but i yeah. feel like i need the perfect gamepad made because one thing that stands out to me doing the speed runs is inaccuracy specifically on the d-pad yeah like it's why i can't play fighting games it's why i can't do the uh, mock ball and super metroid like i I find the ambiguity of the diagonals on a d-pad very difficult for me Mm -hmm. i can't play fighting games because i'm trash but that's another that's a different story well it kind of comes into it it would be easier to know if you were doing those directional inputs for an attack well if you had that click like the the x-bone controller has that to a degree and i really like it yeah um it's it's I would say the X-Bone probably has the best D-pad of the current gen controllers. It's a polar reversal from the, the 360, 360 controller. Oh, that was a big hunk of plastic. Yeah, it's hot garbage. You kind of this overlook it because is... it was more of like a menu controller. Like, yeah. So you could pick your like Smash Brothers taunt because Smash Brothers was totally on the 360. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, when you're playing it on your Dolphin emulator. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel like every button could have that. Uh and this is a weird illusion. Uh, my Xfinity remote has that for every single button. Every button has clicky feedback, and I don't get why gaming controllers haven't done this once. Yeah, yeah. not since the GameCube, anyway. Like, um, I, I, I agree. I mean, as I think about it just simply in the sense of, like, like you were talking about, speedrunning. Speedrunning, it would be... It, it could make such a difference for like the barrier of entry for people who want to get into speed running to have something a little bit more concrete there yeah in like a tactile feedback that you're not getting now it's kind of in, in a similar way to using the analog stick it's kind of like a guessing game you're hoping you get it right but you might not well like even what 
what you have to do in terms of like trying to figure out whether or not you hit a button or not is to get one of those displays that shows like you see it on streams on twitch and stuff where it's like the the little visualization of the snes mm-hmm. controller and it shows mm-hmm. which direction and which button is being pushed that's really the only way you have of knowing definitively whether or not it read the input and that's why I don't have that on my streams because if I did and I did it right You'd have and to I blame still yourself. got it wrong, it's my fault. But if I don't have it there, you I can blame the ego. control. You got to shelter the ego. <laughs> you can blame it on uh, bad RNG. <laughs> Name drop. Um, I guess we got to rush through this because we're running out of time and I do have one final coda. Um Add some like the fingertip keys we talked about with the elite controller are a great idea. I don't get why we haven't tried that like, yeah. broadly. Yeah. Um, I don't well, know that it's necessary to my it. perfect one. The, if you had that little back plate on the Steam controller, that would be a nice compromise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and finally, I, I know I said that wireless was a big step up for current controllers. It's great that you can sit on your couch, push the jewel button, and bam, you got video games. You don't got to go do anything. <laughs> bam, you got video games. But. Why have we abandoned the wireless controller as a possibility? Uh, as a speedrunner, I think that that's a big loss. I know you can plug a micro USB control the wire into the Xbone and use it that way, but don't you dare tell me that shit won't come unplugged at the worst possible time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now we got to go back to wired controllers. I um, miss it. You miss the wired controller? I, I, I miss wired controllers. I'm not willing to compromise on this. I will die on this hill. <laughs> My... <laughs> My biggest problem with the wired controller is simply um, you're going to I wonder if you would fall into the same issue as say, for example, what you would fall into with like USB after the cord gets so long, you start to it starts to degrade. And is that going to cause an issue with the way you play the game? Well, that ties into being a USB controller and like. I don't think that there's any getting around that anymore. Uh, if you ever see, you know how you have the old port for keyboards? Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot PS2. of people still prefer that, the PS2 port, because it has more of a, a push uh, feedback than, a, than a, a pull. It's not being pulled. It interrupts your processor to input the control. Yeah. And that's something we're kind of losing. And you, you get a little bit of wonkiness with the USB, and I don't think we can really go back. They're not manufactured that way anymore. No. no. And I think that's sad, but if they would just give me, like, the option to buy a, like, just wired controller, I would be happy. Yeah. And I I think that's kind of it. Um, And I think that's part of the reason why it's become such a struggle, because you think about, you know, the old days of using, like, an SNES controller. If I pull this, this wire is maybe five feet long mm-hmm. not even going to reach across your living room now yeah. you've got that full experience from couch to tv with tvs not being 30 inches wide anymore yeah and, you know they're they're hung on your wall and they're a half an inch thick so like there's so much distance between you and the tv now that that wire has to be so long and i think that you have degradation of signal and that and that's it i think degradation of signal is kind of where the cause is not that i would be against having wired controllers again i think it would be i think it would be kind of cool and i think like that was the biggest complaint with the original nes classic was that the wires like two inches it feels like it's, it's like very two close inches to the long. original famicom yeah, yeah and you're like yeah. 
I, I, I'm gonna have to like lay on the floor to play this game. You're going back to the original, just experience. like Christmas morning. Yeah, right? yeah, I'm not a kid anymore. When I lay on the floor, my back hurts. My back hurts. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a shame I have we trouble can't. getting up again. It's a huge shame we can't like get this kind of customization because like fighting gamers have this. They've yeah. invented things like the Cthulhu interface that lets them build their own fight sticks and like do it the way they want it. Yeah, they can get the right joystick they want. The, the the very specific button that they ordered from Jupiter or whatever like <laughs> yeah like they want it they can put it in there and it, it's not that hard to set up yeah but um I guess before we uh, before we actually call it here because I'm Frank's got the time over there I'm guessing we're getting pretty close that to we are to wrapping it up um we might have gone a little over ah, but that's right. okay sorry right. that's I mean we enjoyed ourselves and that's yeah. the important thing and hopefully you did too this is for you listeners thy cup spilleth over <laughs> so much content but uh so make much. sure to you can find the podcast anywhere it's on Google podcast Spotify Stitcher you can find it on YouTube just by searching bad RNG podcast uh, you can get it at your local 7-eleven next to the hot dogs next to the hot dogs don't forget um we're we're still angling for that spot next to five gum we're in negotiations with Wrigley's right now to see if they would take a lower spot so that we can move up but um we'll see how that goes we're also the, we'll we see are, how that goes in the lottery we are also trying to get into other convenience stores as well not just the 7-eleven yeah. we're trying to get into that royal farms we're royal trying Farm. to get in at turkey hill we're trying to get in the ampm we're going to be everywhere sheets gonna get into the sheets into you the, better believe into, it. into the sunoco gas and go into like the sunoco gas maybe and go. someday we could even enter the hallowed halls of wawa maybe 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 but regardless um Make sure you follow it on whatever podcast platform you prefer, and uh, we'll be coming at you shortly with the next one. Leave a review, please. Yeah, tell us if how you we enjoyed suck. it. Leave a review, subscribe to it. You know that helps us out greatly. Helps it be more visible for people. Mm-hmm. Leave feedback. Uh, you can follow any of us on Twitter. Some chef dude, the bomb ass pizza, and the Salonium, respectively. And you can find us all on Twitch under the same handles. Yeah, so and leave all us that. a review. Tell your friends and <sighs> smash that like button. Just the depressed air horn. The depressed air. <laughs> just, just, just smash it. Just I don't care. Just smash. It. Push the thumbs up, please. Please push, just, push the just, thumbs up. Just push it. Just please, for the love of God. Anyway, the we... algorithm needs it. <laughs> But um, uh, we've hoard ourselves up enough out here. Yeah, we got like a solid two minutes of whoring out, so yeah. it's all good. Yeah, and <laughs> anything to, to get this into some new ears. Tell your friends. Yeah. Tell your friends. So as we sign off, as we always do. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed yourself, and I will catch you next time. Whatever time it happens to be, wherever it is you happen to be, I hope you have a good one. Catch you on the flip side, dog. Ah!